We're not competing only with other accounting firms. In fact, we're mostly competing with non-accounting firms. And the traditional accounting firm ownership model is, hey, join us, work till you're 65, you'll get paid a multiple of your compensation, you'll get paid a retirement amount, it'll get paid over 10 years with no interest. Now think about trying to uh, have someone who's 35 and very talented and wants to be an owner join us. We can compete toe-to-toe with our non-accounting firm competitors, and we think we offer a better model than the traditional accounting firm. They work for us for 20 or 30 years, and then we'll give you some value creation over the next 10 years. Hi there. Thanks for listening to Earmark. I'm Blake Oliver, your host. I'm a CPA, and like many of you, I struggle to keep up with CPE. Continuing professional education is essential, but usually it's not very convenient. That's about to change. I'm launching an app called Earmark CPE that will offer CPE for listening to accounting and tax podcasts. To learn more and sign up for early access, check out earmarkcpe.com. Hi, everyone. Blake Oliver, CPA here, and I'm talking today with Charlie Weinstein, the CEO at Eisner Advisory Group, LLC, previously managing partner and CEO at Eisner Amper, LLP, which is pretty much what we're here to talk about today, Charlie. I saw the news this summer, I believe it was in August, September that this broke, that Eisner Amper was splitting into two groups, an audit-focused firm, that's the traditional CPA firm, and this new Eisner Advisory Group which is going to do all of the the non-audit work. And this was paired with an investment by a private equity firm, Tower Group or Tower Brook Capital. Yeah. And this is a this is a big deal. Now I've heard about private equity deals happening in the accounting space. In particular, we've seen a lot of new startups in the accounting space that have started as non-CPA firms. We've got firms like Scale Factor and Pilot and Bench on the smaller end of the market competing with small CPA firms. But thus far, we haven't really seen a fundamental change in the model when it comes to larger firms. So I'm very eager to speak with you today about this deal. Thanks so much for making the time and great to have you on the show. Like it's good to good to talk with you and I'm looking forward to our conversation. So let's talk about this deal. I know it was in the works for a while or you've been thinking about it for a long time. How how did it come about? Um, what what was the motivator for taking on private investment, changing up the traditional firm model? Can I take you all the way back to uh, 2012? I'll try and run through it quickly, if that's okay. Absolutely. So in 2012, there were probably half a dozen CPA firms, ourselves included, who were approached by a private equity sponsor to launch uh, a a new ownership model for accounting firms. And in a bake-off with the other six firms, uh, they selected Eisner Amper to move forward. And we had some very serious conversations with them. We actually had a very, very attractive valuation offer from them. But their structure wasn't right. The uh, concepts around which they wanted to build the firm going forward 
really didn't jive with our strategy and what we thought would be successful in the marketplace. And so we took a pass. They came back in 2014 with another attempt at a different structure. Still wasn't right. In 2018 and in early 2019, we were actually uh, approached by uh, a private equity-backed firm who would have acquired Eisner Amper, and they made a very, very attractive offer. And we actually signed a letter of intent, although the deal never came to fruition. And then about a year ago in June, we were approached separately by three different private equity sponsors, all unsolicited. We had conversations with all three. One of the groups really uh, you know, had a structure that we thought wouldn't work. And we had uh, indications of interest. We had offers from two. Then we decided to move forward in the process with Tallerbrook because they really had a good idea of what we were trying to accomplish, and they were on board for that. And so uh, we probably spent about nine months or so discussing the concepts, negotiating, putting all the documentation together. And so I would say it took a little over a year. And we closed on July 30th. So that's sort of the history. And and what I would say to you is that in 2016, we had a partner partner meeting, a three-day offsite partner meeting. And the the topic for the meeting was disruption and change. And we had folks come in, sort of like pilot. It wasn't pilot, but you know, disruptors to the accounting profession, disruptors to other industries like real estate. And we had people come in who were building disruptive companies and talk about change and how the world was going to change, whether we thought that was a good idea or not. And so we first kind of socialized the idea of change and disruption to the entire partner group in 2016. And we were building on that ever since. And of course, the transaction that we did with Towerbrook is, is, um, quite different than the traditional accounting ownership model. And you can say in many, many ways, it's disruptive of the profession. So you've carved out the audit firm, which has to be done due to state laws, rules of being a CPA firm, different in every state, but what generally more than 50% of the partners have to be CPAs. You have to have this partner model. The outside investment thing doesn't work so well. So you, you've carved that out into a separate entity. And that's under separate leadership now. They're totally, they're totally separate, right? Because you have to be yep. for uh, independence reasons. Yep. But, but the advisory group is providing services to the CPA firm. Correct. What can you tell me about how much Towerbrook invested? How much control do they have? Like, ha- are you taking partner votes anymore? Is it a corporate model? How, how does the firm get managed now? So it's interesting. We followed the traditional alternative practice structure, and that's been around for more than two decades. And the first alternative practice structure, uh, at least that I'm aware of, was when American Express, a public company, bought Goldstein, Golub Kessler, which was a New York-based accounting firm. And that was followed by UHY, CBiz, uh, followed by Centerprise, and ultimately, uh, McGladry and H&R Block. And so th- this concept of alternative practice structure has been around for over two decades, and it's been 
followed well by a whole host of firms over the years. And there are many other firms that operate in an alternative practice structure just by their own choosing for liability reasons or, mm-hmm. or otherwise. They're not necessarily private equity backed, but they operate in, a, in an alternative practice structure. And what that means is the, the firm that does CPA services, Eisner Amper LLP, is owned by CPAs. It's independently governed and independently managed. And the non-attest businesses that were formerly part of the CPA firm have been spun off into a separate ent- entity called Eisner Advisory Group, LLC. And that is the entity that received the investment from Tallerbrook. So how many partners are in each of these firms? Without sort of getting into all of the numbers, what I would say is that all of the partners in the LLC, in the non-attest business, non-attest business, those are partners who were partners in Eisner Amper LLP, and they spun out with the separate entity. And the Eisner Amper LLP partners continue uh, to be partners in Eisner Advisory Group LLC. So they're partners in both? They're partners in both. Okay, That's correct. Got it. Got it. That's the traditional alternative practice structure. And to give people context, I think you have something like 200 plus partners. We do. 2,000 plus staff. That's the yes. general idea. Okay. Yes. So, so this year, our revenues will be a little over $500 million. So getting back to this topic of disruption, which is is very exciting. There's a lot of disruption going on right now in accounting. And it's interesting to see it coming to the you know, top 100, top, top Eisner 20. is a top yeah. 20 firm, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is that disruption that you mentioned? What does it look like at the top 20 firms? And how does this deal help you uh, adapt to it. So I can tell you why we partnered with Towerbrook and what the changes are. And in that partnership lies the disruption. And so what we were seeing in the in the marketplace was uh, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of trends. The need to invest in technology, significant amounts in technology. Uh, last year our technology budget was twenty six million dollars. This year, it's going to be even higher. Growth in uh, advisory businesses, advisory businesses were growing much faster than traditional compliance businesses, and they were adding more value to clients. And in effect, when accounting firms compete for talent in the advisory business lines, we're not competing only with other accounting firms. In fact, we're mostly competing with non-accounting firms. And the traditional accounting firm ownership model is, hey, join us, work till you're 65, and then when you retire at 65, you'll get paid a multiple of your compensation, and it'll be, you know, you'll get paid a retirement amount. It'll get paid over 10 years with no interest. And so you'll get your last payment when you're 75. Now think about trying to uh, have someone who's 35 and very talented and wants to be an owner 
join us, thinking that they have to wait, you know, till they're 65 and then get paid out between 65 and 75 to see any value creation that they've brought to a business. And so now we compete in our non-attest businesses, we compete more like a traditional business. And so we can offer ownership possibilities in private equity. It's probably everyone is aware of the ideas every four to six years, you have another value creation event where you capitalize the earnings of the business and, and you create liquidity for the owners. And, and so we're out talking to talented people on, in advisory businesses. We can compete toe-to-toe with our non-accounting firm competitors. And we think we offer a better model than the traditional accounting firm. They work for us for 20 or 30 years, and then we'll give you some value creation over the next 10 years. In addition to that, trying to get capital from accounting firm partners is difficult. We were an extremely well-capitalized firm and we had great financial results for a long time. But in a partnership model, partners like to take home their earnings at the end of the year and put them in the bank. In more of a corporate model, which we have now for our non-attest businesses, we're business owners. We own stock in the company. And creating value in the business and increasing the value of our stock is really a big driver for the partners now. And so we're able to focus on creating value and we're able to um, have in mind liquidity events. And so that's a, that's a big differentiator as well. And, and I would also say that our uh, M&A strategy is definitely broadened and enhanced by the access to capital that we have and all the free cash flow that we have. And so we have a, a great opportunity to build our business bigger and to build our business faster. And with all the, the leverage we have in terms of being able to use technology and right shoring, et cetera, we think we can significantly improve our margins as well. So you're saying that one of the problems with the traditional model is that on the partner side, partners don't have much incentive to reinvest in the firm because what they'll see out of that, the growth they'll see out of that is abstract and it's it's kind of down the road at retirement. It it Generally, they want to take the money home that they've earned and invest it personally. And, and so this, but this creates liquidity, right? Because the stock price goes up, they own stock, they can sell the stock, they can, will the firm buy back stock? Like if I want to, if I'm a partner and I want to leave, that could be a really complex kind of thing to negotiate. We have built aspects of that into our model. So partners, when they hit a traditional retirement age, so don't forget the distribution you have of, of partners in accounting firms, which are getting an older and older, you know, on the average. And so think about if you're a 62-year-old partner who is going to be retiring at 65, 
making significant investments in the traditional accounting firm model in growing businesses that three years down the road, four years down the road, five years down the road, will start throwing off real profitability and create real value. Well, you've already retired. Right. And so the incentives and, and many firms, many of the partners in, in, in many firms are, are, you know, quite focused on stewardship and growing the, the firm and leaving it in better shape to the next generation, but not everyone. And right. so if you're yeah. a partner towards the tail end of your career, making those big investments, which come out of your profits, and you're not going to see the payback of that before you retire from the firm, it, it's hard to ask partners to do that on a regular basis. But if you own stock and the value of the stock is going to increase by these investments, even if you retire, you can choose to hang on to your stock if you believe the stock is going to go higher. And you can hang on to the stock and every four to six years, we hope there's a liquidity event. Or... When you hit that normal retirement age, you can you can sell your stock back to the company at fair value, and so you have you have more options in this in this model. As a partner, you have more options. Yeah, it's it's aligning um, financial incentives right with what you hope would be the uh, the the just I don't know what you would call it, just the firm uh, goals. So. Yeah. Let's go to the staff side, because this is what it, it intrigued me the most as somebody who left public accounting as a manager. So I was a manager at a top 25 firm, and I was presented with an opportunity to go into tech. I had a good salary at my firm that I was at, but the path to partner was not clear. I had no equity. There were no options. So when I was presented with the option to go into technology and get stock options invested over four years. I mean, that was seemed like a, a, a good deal as opposed to the alternative, which was sit around and wait and hope. So so how 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 would I have a different experience at Eisner? Well, so we have a management incentive program, which is akin to stock options. And all of our Everyone who gets to the partner level immediately has equity participation in our firm now. And when you think about it, uh, in our prior iteration, first you became an income partner for a number of years. And then if you prove to be doing well, then perhaps you can shift to equity after three, four, five years. Now, day one, everyone who becomes a partner has equity. And we also have this management incentive program available, which functions just like stock options. So in your, when you were in public accounting, you were, if you would have gotten to partner, then you still would have waited till you're 65 to have any kind of liquidity event. Here, if you're in your 30s and you get to that partner level, you can anticipate that there will be, and hopefully, this all depends on how well we do. And of course, we, we need to do well to, uh, to uh, create liquidity and, and create value for all of our uh, constituents. But if we just go along the path of growth and profitability that we had for, the, you know, for more than the last decade, there will be liquidity events every four to six years. And 
you would have a liquidity event. If you were 35, you'd have a liquidity event when you're 40 as opposed to when you're 60. And you can imagine over the course of your career, if you could be building value in your stock, creating periodic liquidity events, you might have felt differently about public accounting. Mm -hmm. So the equity incentive plans, what did you, what did you call, call it? A management, management incentive program. The management incentive program. So that is limited to partners or are staff able to participate? It's limited to partners um, and um, it is um, a program that's in place. So it's not just when you become a partner, but anyone who's a partner who's advancing in their career can participate in MIPS. We call it Management Incentive Program Shares, call it MIPS. Mm -hmm. And MIPS. so anyone, you know, anyone can participate at any point in time in the partnership in this MIPS program. So there's now a board of directors, I take mm -hmm. it. The partners own stock, they vote like a corporation. They elect their board of directors, which selects the CEO. Very different than the traditional, you know, partner, everybody votes kind of situation. Was there any resistance to moving to this model? No. Uh, the, the, the 207 partners who were partners at the time of the transaction uh, voted 100% in favor of the deal. We added a new partner class, so we closed on July 30th. We added 12 new partners, October 1, which was our traditional timing for adding new partners. So we added 12 new partners, October 1, and 100% uh, of the partners were on board. But that goes back to, like, that goes back to those first meetings we had with the partners in 2016, saying change is coming, disruption is coming to the profession. Look at Pilot. Pilot, I think Pilot has a, 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 a billion dollar valuation over a billion dollars. Yep. And so, you know, we're a great firm. We've been around since the 1960s. We have $500 million of revenue and, you know, 2,000 colleagues, and Pilot has a valuation of over a billion dollars, and so that's disruption. So do you think that this is going to happen with all of the big firms? It, it, it's not right for everybody. I mean, you have to embrace change. I mean, the, the, one of the things we also talked about in, in 2016 with the partners was this concept of being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And so this has changed and it's, it's, it's different. And not all, not all firms have partners that are receptive to change. So I don't think that all firms will go in this direction. And I also, I've been around a long time. So I've, I've, I've been at this you know, for 44 years, I've been in the profession. And been running Eisner Ramper since 1998 or 1999. And I've been around long enough to know that there are a lot of ways for firms to be successful. And Eisner was successful in its own right. And we had our way of doing things. Of the top 20 firms, there are 20 different ways of doing things. And, and you can be successful in a lot of different ways. So this model was right for us. We think it helps us, you know, and advance our strategy. Our strategy hasn't changed one iota, 
And when we talk about the firm, we talk about, we use three words, sustainable, relevant, and important. And sustainable really means anticipating and meeting the changing needs of your clients. And indeed, nowadays, it really means anticipating and meeting the changing needs of your changing clients, because every business is being disrupted. And we think that this investment by Towerbrook and this ownership model and structure enables us to be sustainable, relevant, and important into the future. Well, that is really exciting to hear. For those who want to learn more about Eisner Amper or connect with you online, where would you direct them? Definitely best to shoot me an email at uh, charles.weinstein at eisneramper.com. As you can imagine, it's a very, very busy time. And <laughs> so if, if, if too many people care to reach out, it might take me a little while to get back to you. But yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've done uh, some speaking engagements. I'll do more. Uh, if people want to learn more or find this of interest in any way, shape, or form, uh, just a, a quick Google will uh, will will you know get some more information to you. Go ahead and search Google for Charlie Weinstein and Eisner Advisory Group LLC. We've been talking today about a new way of adapting to disruption in the accounting profession. Charlie, thanks for your time. Blake, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I look forward to chatting again. Hey, everyone. Blake here again. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to get CPE for listening to episodes like this one and many more accounting and tax podcasts, go to earmarkcpe.com, sign up and get early access when the app launches later in 2021.